Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Yes, it is great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Take some time out of your Halloween Sunday to come and be a part of our service today. We're so glad to have you. And as I mentioned last week, uh, just really kind of just the humor of the Lord that we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost on Halloween Day, you know. So this is really fun. Thank you for joining us. And we've, I've really enjoyed the conversations with you guys and just hearing things that God's teaching you through this series. I've learned so much too. And so it's been wonderful to do this together. And uh, before we go any further, I'd like to do a quick recap. I think sometimes it's nice to kind of look at where we've been. If you've missed any of these messages, they are on our website, brazosfellowship.com. Check those out and you can kind of get the full scoop. I'm going to give you the quick overview real quick. We'll do a quick flyover. First week, we talked about God as a loving father. Before anything else, God is a loving father in John 17, 24. Jesus said to us, he says, before the foundation of the world, he's speaking to his father. There's a prayer he's praying to his father. He says, you were loving me. Like what a beautiful picture of God. He's just this dad loving his son forever through the spirit. This is what was going on. Beautiful. So everything else God does in this world, he does as a father, a loving father. Week two, we talked about God the son. God the Son came to correct the disordered love in our hearts. And we talked about the fact that Jesus did not come to earth just to try to make you and I behave. Like, could you just behave? Just be better people? Just try to be a little more pious and follow the rules and get along and all these kind of things? He knew the real issue wasn't in your behavior. It was in your heart, in my heart. Like, we have to have different hearts. And that the big issue that happened in Genesis 3 when the fall of mankind happened and sin entered was not that they started misbehaving. It was that their hearts had turned away from God. We were made in the image of God, so we cannot get away from the fact that we were made to love just like he's made to love. That, that He wasn't made. He was the eternally existent father who loves, and we're made like him. So in that love, our love turned away from God and has turned to affection other things. And primarily in that story, and still today, it's self. It is ourselves that many times gets that throne of the most important thing. And because of that love, that disordered love that happened, and let me define that real quick. Disordered love is whenever we love the wrong thing or we love the right thing in the wrong order. And we talked about how that happens so easily in our life and how we can begin to unpack and, and to correct that. The, the Lord wants to do that as part of what Jesus came to do is to help us to be free once again, to get that love corrected in our heart and be able to love God first and foremost, to love him with all of our heart, all our soul, and all of our minds. And with this series, I know it's been a, a little deeper intellectual, theological, doctrinal type of a series. So it is really us learning how to love God with all of our minds. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit different type of series. I hope that it's been good for you and those of you joining us online, that we've been challenged to think a little deeper 
about these issues, and I think it provides us a powerful and important foundation to build from. Now, this week, we're going to turn our attention to the role of the Holy Spirit and ask this question. What is the Holy Spirit, or if you grew up reading the King James Version Bible, the Holy Ghost, okay? What is the Holy Ghost role within the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit's role? Now, to begin to answer that question, we need to go all the way back to the beginning. Some of the earliest writings of the early church, as they scoured the scriptures and went through from Genesis to Revelation, one of the big ahas that they ascertained that was written in the Nicene Creed back in AD 325 was that the Spirit, the Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life, the giver of life. And you see this from the opening pages of the Bible to the very end. From Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, let's take a look at it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And let's read this together. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was there. And what was he doing? What was the Spirit of God doing? What was his function? We see later in verse 30 that everything God created, he gave it the breath of life. He, anim he animated everything with life. He animated it through the Spirit of God. The Spirit is what gives life. Now, what's interesting is that that was not only true in a biological, physical, material reality sense here in the opening pages of Genesis, but it happens even when we come to the New Testament or the New Covenant in Jesus Christ, the recreation of the heart, the new life in Christ also is given only by the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church in Rome, he made clear that, here's the first thing that you need to understand as a Christian, that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit started with Jesus himself. Later, Paul talks about that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren in sistren, I would add, right? <laughs> that Jesus was the firstborn among many that will become children of God, but he was the first that was regenerated born again in, in the sense that he was brought back to life through the Spirit of Almighty God. And it's that same Spirit that gives us life in Christ when we place faith in him. Here's what it says in Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in, let's say it together, in you, if you've if you've become a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you've placed faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, he's the Lord of your life, this is talking about you. If you have not done that yet, but you know God is probably tugging at your heart, and he wants you to do this today, at the end of the service, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ into your life. But he says, if he dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his, let's say it together, through his spirit who dwells in, in you, right? In me and in, in those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, it's so important. This is such a bedrock and important thing for you to understand that we within ourselves 
have no ability whatsoever to regenerate or give ourself life spiritually. We cannot do that. We are 100% reliant upon, dependent upon the Holy Spirit for that life. That is how it works. Because when we go back to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, that sin was a turning. It was a turning of their love away from God and to themselves and to their own sin. And when they chose sin over God, they chose death simultaneously. So the result is that every person after them, from that, and even them, from that moment forward, and that includes every one of us, every person after them, we come into this war, world born, we come into this world dead in our sins, and we cannot regenerate or we cannot give ourselves new life in any way, shape, or form. And we see this in the writing of Paul in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what he says. He says, once you were, let's say it together, once you were you were dead. He's talking to people who are Christians now, but once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, it was the sin that you came into this world with, that you were broken. You were born into death. It is a prison sentence. There's other places where Jesus says, you are prisoners to your sin. You are prisoners to that death, and you cannot regenerate yourself. Now, this would be a really sad and depressing sermon if I quit right here, right? That, that's, that's the bad news. But here's what makes the gospel such good news. God was willing. He saw that problem. And here's the problem. I mean, essentially, if I could boil the problem down, the problem is that we were made to follow our hearts, our passions, our desires, right? Nobody has to crack a whip on you and say, hey, why don't you have some interest in something you're passionate about? As a matter of fact, if you don't do for a living something you're passionate about, you probably wish you could quit your job and do something you were, get paid to do something you're passionate about because we all are bent that way. Our, we naturally want to follow our hearts. We want to follow our passions, our desires. And many times that's what gets us into so much trouble in this life is we do just that. We follow our desires. It's part of the, it is the problem with this world in all of its manifestations. It's because men and women have followed their passions and desires away from God. So when we are stuck in our sins, when we are in that place of death, we're following our sins, and it is cutting us off. It has severed our relationship with the source of life, the Lord of life. Remember, that was one of the titles given to the, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the eternal God in spirit. We are cut off from that life, and we cannot regenerate ourselves. We need help. We need assistance in this moment. And there was a beautiful insight given back in the early 14th century by a German philosopher theologian, an early church father by the name of Martin Luther, who was a seminal figure in the Protestant Reformation. But he wrote this about this issue I'm talking about, such brilliant, brilliant insights. And let me just say, sometimes we write off people who lived long time ago because we think, oh my gosh, that's so long ago. They, they're, they're, they're dumb compared to us today. They don't understand the kind of stuff we go through. And I'm telling you, that's a misnomer. That is a wrong conclusion. There were 
some brilliant, brilliant people who lived in the past that walked with God and have just insanely great insights that we ought to be looking at. And he is one of them. And here's what he said. He says, the first thing belief in the Spirit means is that by my own reason or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Like, I can't even do this on my own. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I couldn't do this on my own, but God did it. He's doing it through his Holy Spirit. You need to know this is the initial relationship starting uh, like power of the Holy Spirit with, with all of us when we begin the relationship with him. It's the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. You see, God knew our hearts. We needed to be regenerated. We needed new life, new birth, and a new heart. And the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart, a new heart, a new set of desires, a new set of passions, a, new, a whole new set of what drives us in this life, what makes life worth it. He changed everything for us. In 571 years before Jesus was ever even born, God was speaking through one of his Old Testament prophets, the prophet Ezekiel. It was God speaking through Ezekiel, telling his people, the Israelites, that someday the Messiah, the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, my only son will come to earth and he will bring what you are missing. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, let's read these highlighted words together. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will put my spirit in you. Notice that the last spirit is capitalized. That's referring to the Holy Spirit. He's saying my Holy Spirit will be in you through this Messiah. He's coming, and this is a part of his his number one goal and objective is to regenerate your hearts and help you to come alive. Come alive like you've never been alive before. Now, how does he do this? How does the Holy Spirit help us to be renewed, be brought alive, to be reformed in the image of Christ? How does he do this? Well, the number one tool that the Holy Spirit uses to transform us is Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God. What You may refer to it in a lot of different ways, but essentially we see this throughout the New Testament, how the Bible is so critical to forming us spiritually. In 1 Peter 2, pardon me, chapter 1, verse 23, for you have been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. In James chapter 1, verse 18, this is the half-brother of Jesus. He's telling us the word of God, the word of truth. And here's the next one, the word of Christ. And Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith, this faith in God, it comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But you have to hear the good news, that the Holy Spirit uses your hearing taking in the Word of God, and He will use it to transform your life. I remember one of the most powerful challenges I was given as a 
teen, teenage young man, I, I had a, a leader in my life that thankfully he was uh, kind of like a leader coach. And he was like, Will, listen, are you serious about this relationship with Jesus? Like, you want to get consistent in your walk with Jesus? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. He said, all right, you've got to get consistent with this book. You must get consistent with the word of Christ being regularly a part of your life. And it was a game changer for me, huge. Now, I can't say that I have, for all, from that time forward, never missed a day or something. No, it's not about legalism anyway. It's about just saying, this is what my heart ultimately is hungry for. Now, my flesh will fight against it someday. Oh, I'm too tired. I don't have, a, have the time. I don't know if I can do it. I'm just not sure if I'm into it, whatever. I'm telling you, it is something that if you will begin to incorporate into your life, it will begin to transform. The Holy Spirit will use it. He will bring things to your mind that otherwise wouldn't happen because you didn't have that current in your mind and in your heart. It's so important. But he also will use the Word of God to help reveal and unveil parts of who God is that you never knew, that you never experienced before that God ultimately wants you to know him. And we see this reflected in the prayer of Jesus, this high priestly prayer right before the cross in John 17, verse 3, where Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, now this is eternal life, that they, that's all of his followers, that's us today, that they, let's say it together, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. Life ultimately is that they may know you. Now, this word know, let me define it for you. It means to know interactively, personally, intimately. I want you to really know God. I don't want you to know him like you memorize some creed or some piece of doctrine. Like, those are important things that you can hold on to mentally, but that is not what I'm talking. I'm talking about knowing him like a personal relationship, like you know someone, like you know your spouse, like you know your best friend, that you do the ups and the downs of life, that you walk with God, you trust him, you listen to his word, and you speak to him, and you pray to him. Man, this is a game changer, I'm telling you, folks. It's powerful that the Spirit will provide God's wisdom to you so that you may know Him better. Let me share with you one of, the, one of my favorite prayers of the New Testament that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, and I have used this one in my own life many times. My mother used to pray this one for me and my brother John. I'm laughing because we needed it because there were many times where we made a lot of foolish decisions and, and God only knows I, it's a miracle that I'm standing here and being a pastor of this church today. Um, it was my mother's prayers and God working despite of me many times. And let me just share with you this prayer because I have used this many times in my own life praying for our staff at this church, praying for my daughter, me and Leslie, praying for our daughters, praying for you guys this morning. I prayed this, this passage for you. And, and you could pray this for yourself, pray this for people you love. It is powerful. I believe it's a prayer God loves to answer, and he does it through the Holy Spirit, revealing who he is. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, notice he uses both these titles, and now he's going to talk about the Spirit. May give you the Spirit, and he's given us another title for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Spirit of wisdom, 
like helping you to know what you don't right now know and revelation he's going to reveal more of who God is and more of what he wants you to know than you now know so that here's why here's why I'm praying this for you so that you may let's say it together you may know him better him the father Jesus the Holy Spirit that you may know him I prayed that for you guys this morning Lord Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they may know you better. Pray that for yourself. God, before I open up your word today, before I read, before I open up my version app, I pray right now for the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. I want to know you better. It is so powerful to admit that, ask for that, Plead with God for that. He loves to answer that prayer so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Some of the older versions of the Bible say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened, that you see for the first time. Because let's be honest, you are blinded and I am too. There's some things right now that we need to see. And the only way God will reveal those things to us is through the power working of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he will do it through his word and he will also do it through worship. The Holy Spirit reveals the Trinity. The Holy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through our worship of him, our worship. When Jesus was asked about how are we supposed to come to God? How do we commune with God? How do we worship him? In John chapter 4, he had this beautiful answer and really kind of cleared up, like, how do we understand who God is? It, we sometimes think about him like an old grandpa sitting in a, you know, a throne up in heaven somewhere, like he's this physical entity. And he says, no, it's important that you understand that God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and in truth, in his word. It needs to be rooted in the word of God, the word of truth, the word of Christ, as we saw in those three passages, but also... It is led by, directed by the Spirit. When we come together to worship corporately, or you go worship on your own, or you, whether that's singing or just praying or time with God, whatever it looks like, invite the Spirit into that moment. God, may your Spirit guide me right now. I pray for the Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. What a powerful prayer. And it helps us. And I, here's the, one of the key things that is happening in a time of worship. It is training our hearts, the, the, the eyes of our hearts, if you will, what he just talked about there at the end of that um, Ephesians um, passage we just looked at, is to turn our hearts from ourself back to Jesus, to focus upon him to look at him. The freedom that we, our hearts long for, our spirits long for, comes from taking our eyes off of self and putting it onto Jesus. Again, one of the brilliant theologians, pastors of yesteryear at the end of the 1800s was Charles Haddon Spurgeon who preached from this incredible pulpit at the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church in London, England, which his sermons went out all over the world and still impacts people to this day. But when he was talking about how we are set free 
by the Holy Spirit, by putting our eyes on Jesus. This is a beautiful little passage. I want to share it with you. He says, it is ever the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus, but Satan's work is just the opposite of this. Like he's given us this beautiful insight. Satan's job is to try to keep your eyes on you, make it all about you, your happiness, what you want, what you're going to get out. You know, you do you. You live your own whatever. You know, like it's all about you. That's what our world preaches to us constantly. Make no mistake, that is an agenda from the evil one. And it still is. It was back in the 1800s. It is in 2021. Still, and he's saying, listen, we shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers and our doings and our feelings. He goes on to say, it is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. Has there ever been a time when the soul of humanity is more restless than it is right now? He's given us a beautiful insight into how to apply God's Word to our life, to focus on, take time to meditate upon Jesus and the Word of God. Let the Spirit of God help you to rest your heart upon Him. If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking to Jesus, period. That's how it's done. You see, the Spirit is constantly teaching us that loving Jesus is what it means to know God as your Father. This is how those three work together. You see, God delighted in loving His Son so much. It's why we are here, folks. This is why He created us. He did not create you and I because He needed us, contrary to what some people have taught. God didn't need anything. He didn't need us, but he is such an outgoing, overflowing, generous, outward-reaching God that he wanted to share his love with somebody. So he made us so that we might know him and that his love would overflow into our life through his son and by way of his spirit. We might know him. What a beautiful gift. And Jesus tells us as much whenever he was talking to the Pharisees who were contrary. They were all about just doing righteous deeds, but their hearts were far from God and they didn't love him and they were contrary to Jesus and they were resistant to what Jesus taught. And here's what Jesus says. He says, and if God was your father, you would love me because that's all the father does is love his son. And he teaches us that that is what you were made for. That's what I was made for. That's what we were made for, is to learn to love the Son and let everything we do, our jobs, how we treat our kids, how we raise our kids, how we treat our spouse, it is just an overflow of our love of the Son. It allows us to be able to be empowered, to live the way we were created to. It fills that God-shaped void that is in our hearts that can be filled by nothing else. It's, it's almost boggling to the mind, like when will humanity learn this? We look at the people at the top of the echelon of the billion, billion, billionaires, right? Who many times, lives fragmented and broken and they can't hold themselves together and people that have all the fame in the world and they just, they're searching, 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 searching. That's a dead end. It's not there. 
Jesus says, what you're looking for is right here. And he tells us the purpose of the Spirit is to reveal the Son. In John chapter 16, verse 14, he, he, he refers here to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. That the Holy Spirit is trying to bring Jesus to us. And he's trying to transform us into the image of Jesus. That we might love each other the way Jesus loves us that it would fill us, it would create the mind of Christ within us. Philippians 2, 6, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He wants us to become like him because he knows that is the fulfillment of our heart. That is the greatest desire, longing, passion. That is what our heart ultimately desires, what it craves, what, what its appetite wants. But because we've gotten disordered love in our life, we don't want to listen to that. We want to pursue our own thing and do our own thing and be our own God and our own boss, right? But the Spirit is trying to bring us back. The Spirit always desires that faith be shared with other people. So it's not just to be held inside, but the Spirit is still a Spirit that gives life, and He wants to do it through you and I. And here's the last point I want to share with you, that Jesus, right after His resurrection from the dead, when He gathered together in his, with His believers in John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22, here's what He said. And He says, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He knew right now to this day, that's what we need, right? We need peace in our heart. As the Father has sent me, I am, let's say it together, I am sending you into the world. This is a mission. He's sending them and us, those of you who are followers of Jesus, he's sending you on mission. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. Jesus has always done exactly what the Father did. In John 5, verse 19, he says, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. What was the first thing the Father did after the death of Jesus? Three days later, he breathed the Spirit back into him, into his life, into his body. He resurrected, right? So it's the first thing that Jesus does to the disciples when he comes together with them. He breathes the Holy Spirit on them, and he says, and this is not for nothing. This is for you to share. You need to understand the Holy Spirit has always been a life-giving spirit, a generous, outward-going, outward spirit of God wants you to be a part of linking this life with other people's lives so that they might know this God that you know, to invite people Invite them to church, small group. Invite them into a conversation with you over coffee, lunch, whatever. Looking for opportunities with this guy, this girl, whoever you work with, you live around. The ways that you can help connect them with the loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help them to come to know God. This is what he wants to do through us. That he transforms us through his word and his wisdom. He transforms us through worship and he transforms us through us sharing the good news with other people. Through sharing that mission of the gospel with other people. And I would just ask you today, where is God saying it's time for you to take the next step? Maybe for you it's like, okay, I need to get serious about making this a regular part of my life. 
God's word. Yeah, you're right, Will. I, 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 str- I you know, scratch my head sometimes saying, well, why isn't God working in my life? Why, isn't, why don't I see the Holy Spirit working in my life more? Is this a regular part of your life? He's very, very clear that this is one of the number one tools he loves to use in our life. Are we giving him, are we allowing him to use the tool in our life? It's a choice. It's a priority. And how about worship? Is it something that you take time to do? To be before the Lord, corporately, coming together on the weekends, wonderful, joining us online to worship God, to make time to, and worship doesn't always have to be singing, it could be prayer, it's, it's listening to the word of God, it's, it, it comes in, in many forms, but it is a way of coming before the Lord and turning our eyes back to Jesus and surrendering ourselves before the Lord, saying, God, I want to know you. Would you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would help me to know you better? Would you be willing to do that? And would you also, finally, maybe God's put somebody in your life and you're like, I already know who that person is. I just haven't invited them. I haven't talked to them yet. I haven't gotten up the courage yet. And it's time for you to do that that you're going to love somebody. You're going to share the good news with them. Would you be willing to do that? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com. Dot com.